verso 5. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Segunda de Corintios, capítulo 10, versículos 4 al 5. So let's go ahead and open up God's word. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Second Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. Or you can follow along here in the projector screen. We will be having the scripture just right behind us um, in, uh, in this passage. And we'll be looking at other passages too, but this will be the, the main passage that we'll be looking at this morning from uh, 2 Corinthians. Let's go ahead and, and hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. And I'll be reading it in English, but you can follow along in Spanish or, or um, in your language of the heart. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 5. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your ways that are not our ways. And Lord, we just pray that you would make us new. Haznos nuevo, nuevos, Dios Santo. Nuevas criaturas. Make us new creations, Lord God. Make us wise. Danos sabiduría. Lord God, we're not just looking for the next thing. We're looking to be made new in you. Jesus, you are wisdom. You are the source of life. You are wisdom incarnate in the flesh, God. And that's what our prayer is, Lord, in this new season in the fall where many new things are beginning. Some things are passing, Lord God, and, 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 and all of all, all this to come. And we pray for wisdom. That's what we, we lift our hearts up to, Lord God. We're on our knees and with our hands up asking for your guidance. Guide us by your light. Guide us by your way. And Lord God, we, just like that ancient leader, Lord, that ancient king, Solomon, who prayed for wisdom, we also pray for the same this morning. Give us wisdom, O oh Lord. Not just material success, but give us a wisdom from above that cannot be bought, cannot be traded, cannot be earned. But it's a gift that you give us when we're open, humble, and surrendered toward you, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. So in these next six weeks, as a church community, we're actually going to be on a journey on a journey of faith-seeking understanding, on a journey that will lead us to unlikely wisdom, a wisdom that doesn't just come from us, 
but a wisdom that is from above. We're going to be studying the book of Ecclesiastes together beginning next week. Today I'm just going to give a bit of a short introduction on what wisdom is and what wisdom isn't, and especially godly wisdom versus human wisdom or worldly wisdom. But then next week we're going to dive deep into the book of Ecclesiastes, which is one of the biblical books called uh, a biblical book of wisdom. So we all have a homework assignment. Begin to read through or listen through the book of Ecclesiastes together. And the book of Ecclesiastes is actually meant to be read together in community. In fact, that's what the word Ecclesiastes means. It comes from the word ecclesia. And, and, you know, and ecclesia is actually where we get the, the Spanish word iglesia and the English word of church. And really, all ecclesia means is gathering, coming together, collected wisdom. As a church community, we come together every single Sunday to worship, but also to gather around the Word of God, to gather around God's wisdom. And we're going to begin to dive deep into that next week, but today we're going to be looking again at just a general idea, an introduction to godly wisdom and learning a bit about the author of Ecclesiastes. The Christian family throughout history has actually identified the author of Ecclesiastes as Solomon or King Solomon. Solomon was a son of David, of King David, who was the second king of ancient Israel. Solomon went on to serve as the third king of the kingdom of ancient Israel. Solomon also had a part to, uh, to do with the legacy of, of his father. He then became the next leader of the kingdom. Solomon, in his life, he experienced both times of brokenness and also times of blessing and of flourishing. And maybe that sounds familiar to some of us as well. We've experienced time of brokenness and time of blessing. That's part of the human condition. And in many ways, when we um, think of the scriptures, we, we think of the Psalms. We attribute that many of the Psalms um, are written by the psalmist, by King David. And, um, and in and it's also important to realize that his own son is a part of the biblical legacy too, Solomon. Um, many of the cherished books in the Bible, which are called the books of wisdom, were written by David's son, Solomon. Three books specifically that he is most known for, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and the book of Proverbs. David was the father of Solomon, and he was known for being a man after God's own heart. And in some ways, Solomon may not get as much of a recognition um, for some of his contributions, but Solomon was known in some ways as a man after God's own mind, seeking the mind of God, seeking the wisdom of God. And this applies to all of us, whether we're younger, we're older, we're students, we're working. We all need wisdom. Solomon, 
He chose to seek wisdom as his number one goal in life. And the amazing thing is that he didn't necessarily need to. Solomon was actually extremely wealthy. He was richer than anyone that you and I had ever met. And yet that was not enough. That was not satisfying to Solomon because he knew that ultimately that wasn't success. That all that material stuff would just come and go. All those fancy titles would just come and go. As it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, all of that is just like chasing after the wind. Who can imagine what that's like? Just chasing after the wind. Is there any purpose whatsoever to chase after the wind? No. It's pointless. But a lot of our life, especially when we do not seek God's wisdom, when we're only looking for approval from others, for pleasing others, for titles, that's just like chasing after the wind. Solomon sought to know the ways of God, the wisdom of God, and then to share that wisdom with others. Again, we'll be learning more and more about this over the next couple of weeks. But I want you to write this down and and some of the key points that we're looking at today. And it's this. And I'm not sure if we have a slide for it today or not, but go ahead and write it down. God's wisdom is available to those who seek it. God's wisdom is available to those who seek it. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And we'll talk about that and explain what exactly that means, the fear of the Lord. It's an attitude shift. It's an attitude that says, not my way, but your way, Lord. It's an attitude that actually begins with openness, humility, and surrender. So Solomon, just like his father, he was not a perfect man. In fact, he messed up a lot. And the Bible actually doesn't try to hide that. It's amazing how sometimes us in in our own um, religious customs or religious practices, we want to portray perfection for some reason. But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't hide human brokenness. The Bible doesn't try to hide the human condition that we're both blessed and broken. And, I, and it's just amazing to think that. And what if we just paused and we actually took the example of the Bible instead of the, of the example of religiosity? What if we actually lived as honest as the Bible does? And what if we simply accepted that part of the work that God is doing in us and through us is meeting us right where we are? And right where we are is messy. It's both broken and blessed, just like David. Broken and blessed, just like Solomon. The Bible doesn't try to hide that. Why? Because that's the human condition. And the Bible is the story of God and humanity meeting together and God providing a way where it seemed like there was no way. You and I, 
We're not saved by our own works. We're not saved by our own rule-keeping or rebellion. We are only saved by the blood of Christ. Nothing else. As the scripture says, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one perfect, not even one. We're imperfect people worshiping a perfect God saved by the blood of Christ. So, I think the invitation here, especially as we're stepping into this journey of wisdom, is to let go of perfection. Let go of any false sense of needing to appear perfect or show up perfect because that's not where wisdom begins. Wisdom begins with honesty. Wisdom begins with humility, with surrendering. With trusting. So together, let's just stop playing the self-righteous legalistic games because God does not fall for it. God, as we've talked about before, he is not impressed by our works and he is not afraid of our brokenness or of our sin. He's not intimidated by that. He's seen it all before. (laughs) Read through half of the things that Solomon and David did. I bet you that will encourage us. God still showed mercy and made a way. Part of being on this journey with God means being made new by Him. We, just like Solomon, are both that broken and blessed, and yet God makes us new. When we seek Him, we will find Him. When we seek wisdom, we will find wisdom. Solomon had wisdom as knowledge, but one thing that he got rebuked for by God and also experienced the reality and consequences of some of his very bad choices in this life, Solomon needed to learn that the wisdom of God goes beyond knowledge. The wisdom of God goes beyond information. And, you know, Solomon talked a lot about wisdom. But really, the perfecter of wisdom, the one who lived it out, the wisdom of God came after Solomon. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who he knew that wisdom went beyond knowledge, beyond information. So Jesus actually lived out God's wisdom. Jesus lived out wisdom in action. So how do we do that? How do we live out wisdom in action? This passage that we're reading about tells us exactly how to start. Let's go ahead and read it once again in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 to 5. What does it say? If we can put it up on the screen, please. It says that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we put wisdom into action? First, we demolish arguments. We don't waste our life our time and our energy with petty arguments, with things that don't matter. 
with things that will just drain our time, our energy, our resources, with any pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Instead, what do we do? We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. The wisdom of God begins with this. And you can write this down in this, in this uh, journey of wisdom that we're in. In, in your devices or in, with a pencil, whatever you have. The wisdom of God begins with taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Wisdom begins with obedience, and obedience is really wisdom in action. It's really living out in alignment with God's direction for our lives. Solomon, in his life, he had low points. He had some really low points later in his life where he actually gave in to worldly wisdom through all kinds of things that may sound familiar to us. He gave in to lust. He gave in to idolatry. And he even ended up misleading and hurting a lot of people during his reign as the king. But remember, friends, brothers, sisters, where King Solomon is left lacking, our King Jesus picks up all of the pieces. Our King Jesus picks up the pieces and fulfills the call of obedience, of wisdom in action. Remember that when we fall short, like Solomon did, when the ideal lacks, grace abounds. When we mess up, grace restores and grace makes a way. Grace makes a way toward wisdom. Even in our mess ups and falling short and in our brokenness, Jesus was obedient all the way to the cross for our sake. And we'll read the passage here in a moment, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the cross is the power and the wisdom of God displayed for all to see. And it's actually a stumbling block to some. It seems like foolishness to others. But the cross and the resurrection is the wisdom of God on display. So whenever we see that beautiful and mighty cross, whether we're wearing it or, or we're carrying our cross or seeing it up here in, in sanctuaries, remember that. What is the cross? The cross and the resurrection is the wisdom of God on display. And we're going to be taking this journey throughout the next month to the end of October to talk about wisdom, God's wisdom, unlikely wisdom. A wisdom from above, a wisdom that's not conformed to human instincts or popular opinions. You know, I, uh, for several years, I was mentored by this amazing person. His name uh, was Frank, and he was in the business world. Uh, Frank Marsh was his name, and he used to work for um, you know, vice president for Hewlett Packard um, company, the computer company. And he said that um, he then dedicated his life to be able to mentor young people who were uh, serving God. Because what he realized after all of those years in the business world, he realized that more often than not, human wisdom and God's wisdom are actually complete opposites. 
right now, in this moment, in time, and in culture, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of disorientation, but right now, friends, brothers, sisters, we need wisdom. Not just more information. We have access to all the information on earth in our pockets these days, right? But we need wisdom. A wisdom from above. Not more noise. Every day we just get blasted with noise. We don't need more groupthink. We don't need more tribalism. But we need God's wisdom. And in order to understand God's wisdom, we need to understand what it isn't. And we need to be very clear about this. Information and wisdom are not the same thing. Intelligence and wisdom are not the same thing. When it comes to godly wisdom, here's the amazing thing. We're all on common ground. We're all on the same boat because the wisdom of God is available to those who humble themselves and seek it. That's who wisdom is offered to. By grace, I'm grateful, and it's part of my testimony, that I have been, I've had the opportunity to learn in some of the best universities and seminaries in this country. I give God all the glory for that. And I'll tell you, I've been able to meet some amazing people on that journey. And I'll also tell you this. On that journey, I have also met educated fools. There is such a thing. To have all the education in the world and still simply be foolish. To lack wisdom. I've also met under-resourced people that didn't have access to those opportunities and people that are actually wise beyond their difficult circumstances, wise beyond the unfair situation that they've had to live through. And that's just amazing because the wisdom of God is available to all who humble themselves and seek it. When you humble yourself, you will find the wisdom of God. And although Solomon had his ups and downs, Solomon began with the right posture and with the right attitude in seeking godly wisdom. So my question to you today is this, and you can pray on this and reflect it, reflect on it. What's your attitude before God today? What's your attitude before God today? Is your attitude based on worldly wisdom or on your own instinct? Worldly wisdom and our own instinct uh, says this. It says, you know what? I got this. So Lord, my will be done or my way be done. Or is your attitude aligned with godly wisdom? An attitude that says, God, I surrender. May your will be be done. Not my will, but yours. The treasure and the beauty of wisdom and that we find here in the scriptures actually all started 
with a certain attitude that Solomon had before God. It was an attitude of humility, of openness, and of surrender. And I want you to remember this, and you can write this down as well. Wisdom begins with humility, openness, and surrender to God. That is what's called the fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. That's an attitude, an attitude of openness, humility, and surrender. That's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is realizing that God is God and I am not. That this is God's world, not mine. I'm a part of it. We all need wisdom because the truth is we all have blind spots, right? Even uh, as, as we've learned to drive, those that drive, you, you uh, get tested on that, on needing to check your blind spots before changing a lane or making a turn. Even right now, we all have blind spots. Right now, I have a perspective of this room that none of you have. And guess what? Each one of you has a perspective that I don't have either. No one sees it all. We need wisdom. Wisdom begins on the inside. Wisdom begins with an attitude adjustment. And guess what? Attitude is everything. Because attitude is connected to every part of my life. Attitude is connected to how I show up to life. Attitude is connected to how others experience me in this life. My attitude actually influences my thoughts. And my thoughts influence my actions. And my actions influence my character. And our character, that's our life. That's who we are. It all begins with attitude. We read about this attitude shift that Solomon had in the scriptures, in the book of Second Chronicles and in First Kings. We read of a pretty amazing encounter that Solomon had with God and it wasn't big, it wasn't flashy, but it was calm and it was intimate. It was in this setting where Sal Solomon had this encounter with the living God, which all began with an attitude, an attitude of openness, of humility, and surrender, the fear of the Lord. Second Chronicles 1, 7, and 10, and I believe we have the passage right up there, or you can uh, follow along too. Second Chronicles 1, 7, and 10, it says this, That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon replied, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? And then in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12, we see God's response to Solomon. And we can, at 1 Kings uh, 3, 12, it's, it's the next passage in 1 Kings 3, 12. It says this, um, it says, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you nor, nor will there be anyone like you, uh, anyone like you before you, nor will there ever be anyone like you after you. 
as a church community, we're going to be entering into this journey of unlikely wisdom. And this will be a challenge for each and every one of us in this next month. And friends, brothers, sisters, let the journey of wisdom begin with an attitude adjustment. What's your attitude before God? What's your attitude before others? Make the shift from the attitude that says, my will be done, to a new attitude that says, Lord, I surrender, me someto a ti, let your will be done. The book of Ecclesiastes points to unlikely wisdom. And really, that's what the gospel is. The good news of God, it is unlikely wisdom, something we could not make up, but we receive this precious gift. The wisdom of God is unlike anything that we can think of or imagine, and it all begins with openness, humility, and surrender. And all those things, openness, humility, surrender, they all seem like weaknesses in the eyes of the world. But actually, this attitude of openness, these attitudes of openness, humility, and surrender are actually stronger and more firm than all of the quicksand wisdom that this world has to offer. Worldly wisdom really makes a lot of promises. And worldly wisdom works until it doesn't, right? There's always a new trend. There's always a new, uh, a new piece of information. There's always a new diet or a new exercise or a new get-rich-quick scheme. All of that stuff is constantly coming and going. It works until it doesn't, but God's wisdom is the firm foundation that will not be shaken by any situation, any circumstance, any disappointment, any person. Unlikely wisdom is God's good news without the noise. There's all kinds of noise out there. And we're going to close with this verse. And my hope and prayer is that you would be able to have that encounter with the Lord in a quiet and intimate space, asking for wisdom and seeing that the Lord will grant it to you. Wisdom is available to all those who seek it with humility, openness, and surrender. But we're going to just meditate and pray into this final passage, which is a little long, but it's necessary for us to understand the difference between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world, between our own instincts and the unexpected wisdom from above. And it's found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21, and then uh, verses 23 to 31. And it says this, and I believe we have it up on, on uh, right behind me as well. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 
For since the wisdom, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And then let's go on to the next verses in 23 to 31. It says, But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, he's called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world. The lowly things. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify, to make nothing the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is our righteousness. That is our holiness. That is our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let no one boast. But if we boast, except to boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That line is just so powerful. We preach Christ crucified. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, than the wisdom of the world. That's unlikely wisdom. That's something new. God's wisdom is not something that we can gain through our own way, through our own works, through our own um, intelligence. But wisdom from above is something that is graciously and lovingly given to those who seek it. Seek the Lord and you will find Him. Seek wisdom and He will give it to you. Those who seek the Lord through the attitude of openness, humility, and surrender. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And that openness actually, actually reveals to us, that new attitude reveals to us that Jesus Christ became for us wisdom from God. That wisdom became flesh. Wisdom became a person. And together, friends, brothers, sisters, as we abide, as we trust in Jesus Christ, may wisdom become flesh in us. Amen. Let's pray.
God, we thank you. And Lord God, we ask that you would guide us in your ways. You would guide us in your wisdom. Lord Jesus, let us not lean on our own understanding. Let us not try to do things just our own way. Lord, maybe today what you're calling us to is a new attitude, a shift in our old way of thinking to a new way of thinking. Today, Lord, we want to surrender. Surrender our natural way. That tries to convince ourselves and others and says, oh, I got this. So, Lord, may what may my will be done. And instead, you invite us, Lord, to take this courageous step of faith where we confess and we admit, no, actually, I don't got this, and I'm not meant to do this alone. So, Lord, may your will be done in and through me. Que tu voluntad sea hecha, Dios Santo, en nuestras vidas. Danos tu sabiduría, Dios Santo. Guíanos. Guide us, Lord, in your ways. Guide us in your wisdom. Let us not lean on our own understanding. Jesus, you are wisdom in the flesh. And we pray, Lord, as we abide in you and we trust in you and place our hope and our faith and the weight of our lives down in, in your hands, Lord, we pray that you would fix our attitude to align with your wisdom. We trust you, God, to do something new in and through us. Do something new for your glory, for your honor, God. Transform us. Meet us here, right where we're at, in this space that is sometimes messy, Lord, where we are both broken and blessed, and we can confess that and draw near to you in that. And take us, Lord, to somewhere new. Lead us to you. Lead us in the path of your wisdom, God. Thank you, Lord, that you make a way toward you. You make a way, Lord, away from our foolishness and into your precious wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Imago family. If we can just go ahead and just stand.